Welcome to Beliefs of the Heart Weekly Reflection. I'm Sam Williamson, and today we're discussing controlling God. It was when I was a student at university, I first saw the Stepford Wives, the original, not the copy. It was so eerie, I couldn't get it out of my mind. A decade later, I bought the VHS and later the DVD, and I watched it over and over again every few years, both fascinated and repulsed. After university, I worked in London for three years. I became friends with a man who loved horror movies. He took me to several, like Halloween, the original, not the copy, and Friday the 13th, and I hated every one of them. I enjoyed the suspense of Hitchcock films, but the graphic terror of this new genre appalled me. And while The Stepford Wives isn't horror, not exactly, it felt horrible to me. It's the story of Joanna Eberhardt, who moves to the fictional city of Stepford, Connecticut with her husband. She is amazed at all the compliant, non-confrontational wives. In their interactions with her husbands, it's like they're all chanting the same mantra over and over again. Yes, dear. Yes, dear. Joanna grows suspicious, especially after other friends moved to Stepford and seemed to undergo personality lobotomies, losing their souls while joining the chorus. Yes, dear. Yes, dear. She discovers that many of the husbands are scientists and engineers capable of creating lifelike robots. And she begins to believe the Stepford wives have been replaced with compliant drones. At the end of the movie, Joanna almost escapes, but is captured, killed, and replaced by her own robotic clone meandering down a supermarket aisle, no doubt humming, yes, dear, yes, dear. Marriage vows. Most of our marriage promises include the phrase, for better or worse, and in sickness and in health. But we didn't mean it. The idea seemed romantic, but we really imagined a life of needs fulfilled and, perhaps, the heroic self-image of us dabbing cool washcloths to soothe our spouse's fever. We were Prince Charming and Snow White, ready to live happily ever after. We certainly didn't imagine our spouse challenging how fast we drive, criticizing us for spending thousands of dollars on a new 11-foot plasma TV and then grabbing the remote out of our hands for the TV they hated and switching from the Super Bowl to a Golden Girls rerun. We imagined God creating spouses in our image, just like the husbands did in Stepford Wives. And we completely ignored the reality that we humans benefit from people different than us. In one of the silliest episodes of Star Trek, the original, not the copy, Harry Mudd is desperate to escape a planet he crash-landed on when escaping from prison. That planet is filled with thousands of human-like androids, the robot, not the phone, willing to cater to his every whim. Mudd even designs an android that looks like his wife, and whenever she begins to berate him, Hartcourt Fenton Mudd, is that alcohol I smell on your breath? He shouts, shut up! and punches a clicker, and she submissively shuts down, murmuring, you, 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 you. But Harcourt Fenton Mudd is desperate to escape the hell of this barren planet, because a robot controlled by a remote is transactional, not relational, and frankly, just boring. We need a God who can challenge us. 
if God is big enough and powerful enough that we pray to him in times of trouble with hope, then he also has to be wise enough to challenge our driving, criticize our spending, and to grab the remote out of our hands. We need him to be a person, not a robot. And we need him to say no. If we were a little wiser ourselves, we'd beg him to challenge us. After all, most of our problems are the result of stupid and rebellious things we've decided, said, and done. Would we really want a clone crooning to us, yes, dear, yes, dear, as we strut like lemons off a cliff? Our God, the original, not the copy, is not a stuffered wife. And if he was, Christianity would be a nightmare that would terrify even Freddy Krueger. In a certain sense, this article, um, it, it began out of what I do each year where I have something I call a transcendent pursuit. So for the whole calendar year, I decide to pursue a topic that's like new to me or it's a curiosity. And a few years ago, my transcendent pursuit was to pursue Jesus as Lord. I feel like I've I've thought of him as my savior. I've thought of him as my friend. I've thought of him as, you know, um, my older brother. I don't know, even though I'm 65, I don't know in my life I had ever said, what does it mean for me to have Jesus as my Lord? And so I started thinking about it. And one of the things that just came to me was this whole Stepford wife issue where these men or, you know, the story from Star Trek, Henry, Harry Mudd. These people think they know what they need. They need these wives who will say, yes, dear, yes, dear, yes, dear. But it will kill them. The very thing that they think they need is the thing that will kill them. Right now, for over four weeks, my website has been down. And like, I've never had it down more than an hour or two in the 12 years, 13 years I've been doing this. And it's down because of a ransomware and there's all kinds of things I could do and pursue. But I feel like God's saying, Sam, just wait. Just be patient. Sam, wait on me. Be at peace. And that is not what I would be asking God. I would be asking God, um, fix this. You know, uh, fix it now. Please give me the smarts to be able to redo my website. We people are amazed and shocked when God doesn't give us what we want. It's not just his timing is different and his timing is always different. But God very often wants an answer that is different than we want. We, I think I need a website right now. And I feel like God's saying, no, you need a, a patience, a peace, an attitude that looks to the hand of your master, of your Lord. He's saying, I need something different completely different, a different nature than the very thing I, that I think I need. You know, if God is as big as I think he is, and if he's as powerful as I think he is, and if he's as wise as I think he is, then, then by the very definition of what I've just said, then he's got to have answers that are different, not just little quick fixes to what I want, but the answer itself that I think I need 
has to be different. It's sort of why I'm going to pick on somebody. There's a guy named Andy Stanley who's a really big megachurch pastor. And from what I've heard, he's done a lot, a lot of things good. But he recently has been sidelining scripture. And he's he said things like... Um, he thinks when we say, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. He said, to say, for the Bible tells me so, is our biggest problem. And he's just wrong. He says he doesn't preach from the Old Testament anymore because his people think it's not relevant. But how do we know what we need? How do we know what's relevant? You know, Jesus came. And when Jesus came, the Jews thought that the thing they needed, the relevance that they needed was to kill the Romans. The Romans thought they needed philosophical wisdom. And Jesus said, you need a savior. No one was looking for the kind of spiritual savior that Jesus said he was. And you got to understand the Romans were horrific. There was two men for every woman, even though a lot of men died in wars. And the reason there was two men for every woman was because of infanticide. Families killed their girls simply by exposure. They just left them out in the streets to die. It was crucifixion. There was a brutality that is so far beyond our imagination that I can't imagine it. And Jesus came saying, yes, I know that you have a brutality. I know, Jews, that you are being held captive by this alien nation. And Romans, I, th I know that you think you need this and that. But what you need is something bigger. It's something you don't think is relevant to you. You think it's just like icing on the cake. You just think it's a little spice. And I'm saying it's the main course. And Jesus said, that's salvation. And unless I see that Jesus is my Lord, I just think he's going to be someone who's a miracle worker, who's going to give me what I want. But to make him my Lord means he knows what's my, he knows what I, he knows what I need more than I know what I need. And it means sometimes he's going to do things that seem bad, that might seem evil. It, it's certainly opposed to us. I think many of you know, my wife and I got a house so that we could do retreats. And a year after living here, our HOA said we cannot do retreats. And my wife and I had spent five years, five years with this one thing in mind to get retreats. And I feel like the Lord says, Sam, there's something bigger. Will you let me be Lord? Or do you just want me to be a miracle worker to get what you want? But honestly, sometimes it just feels like God is opposed. Maybe he is opposed to me. He's opposed to the things in me that need to be changed. He's rejecting my warped, broken desire. My friend Gary has a saying that I love. He says, you may think you're sober as a judge, but if two friends say you've drunk too much, you'd better lie down. That is... We need to be humble enough to admit that there's something about us that we can't even see. Only somebody outside us can see our two friends. Well, how much more if the Lord says you need to lie down or if the Lord says you need something different than what you think? Because, because part of the nature of a spiritual walk is God always leads us into trouble. I, you know, now he leads us out of trouble too, you understand. But when Israel went into the wilderness where they were for 40 years, God led them there. You know, there was a shortcut between Egypt and Palestine, but God deliberately leads them into the wilderness where there's no food, no water, only him. 
David is anointed king by Samuel, and God leads him into the wilderness. He is chased by Saul for years because God is doing something in him. And David has to say, are you Lord or am I going to take this sword and kill Saul? And, you know, there's two times where David can kill Saul. And David basically says, God is Lord. I'm not. I won't do it. Jesus is baptized and immediately, Scripture says, immediately is the word. The Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness where there's no food and water, where there's only God. Jesus says to the disciples, after he's done, you know, this great little sermon, he says, hey, let's 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 cross, let's get in the boat and cross over to the lake. And then he falls asleep. And when he falls asleep, there is a hurricane on the lake. Jesus led him into a hurricane. Our God, you know, C.S. Lewis loves to say, our God is not a tame God. That's that's saying Jesus is Lord. And the thing is, is if Jesus isn't Lord of all, meaning then he's not Lord at all. Meaning, if we just use Jesus to get what we think we want, then he's not really being Lord. He's just being a miracle worker. Remember, God calls Abram out to a place that says in Hebrews, he didn't know where he was going. You don't know where you're going. And this is what God does with all of us. He calls us out somewhere to a place we do not know. And the only thing we know in this journey is how to make Jesus our friend and our Lord. The only thing we know is that God is up to something and he's not telling us. And are willing? We, are we willing to accept that? God does not, most of the time, I think God does not tell us what he's going to do. He doesn't tell us what he's up to. He only reveals himself. And I think this is part of what I'm finding about Jesus as Lord, is he's just revealing who he is. And am I willing to let that satisfy me? Am I willing to go out in a surrender to him, to this to this person I sort of know and who in a large way is a stranger? But I think he's a stranger who can give me answers. And then am I willing to let God say, the, the answer you really need is just to know me? You know, Jesus says somewhere, um, Life is knowing him. This is life. This is eternal life that you know me. It means Jesus isn't a means to an end. He is the end, which means he's Lord. And, you know, we just want to make a Stepford wife of him. We, we want to control him is what we want to do. But Jesus as Lord means he's completely, totally the boss in charge. His plans are better than ours. His ideas are better than ours. His methods are better than ours. His end game is better than ours. What he says are our needs is better than ours. And we don't believe it. Anytime we feel like he's opposing us, he's more on our side than we are. I mean, it's hard to believe, but he's literally on our side more than we are. And he knows exactly what we need. He knows exactly what we need at this point. And... I want to remember this. I want all of us to remember that he actually knows what we need, not just just you know the spices and the add-ons and the supplements. He knows what we need, which is him, and he's and he's working in our hearts to show us himself. There was a movie saw as a kid. Um, I think it was called The Bible. I can't remember for sure, but you know it's sort of one of these big epic movies. And there's a scene where. 
Abraham is taking his son up the mountain, you know, and his son has the wood on his back and they have a torch and they have oil to light the wood. And Isaac is beginning to figure out what's happening. And I, I, I mean, I don't know that I can understand. His, he feels like his own father is against him, but he knows that his father has heard from God. And he finally says to his father, he says, Father, is there anything he can't ask of you? And Abraham says, nothing. There's nothing God cannot ask of us. And you know, we think we need a Stepford wife where we can demand but I believe what scripture says is the thing we need most at this most, at this moment, right now, the thing that you need and the thing that I need more than anything else is we need Jesus to be Lord. Thanks for listening. Please join us by following this podcast or liking it. And visit our website, beliefsoftheheart.com for more articles, books, videos, podcasts, and courses all designed to foster intimate theology, deepening a real relationship with the real God who is there. See you next week.